Jedi is power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, penetrates us, binds the galaxy together. The Force. The Force. The Force. The Force. Hey everybody, welcome to The Force, of course, your bite-sized Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I am wicked sore. I'm so sore. Uh... I have to tell you guys, I think I might be getting old, and that's not easy to admit. I went to a uh, a graduation party. Congratulations, Brian. I'm sure you're listening. Anyway, uh, some of the folks there were playing Spikeball. Have you heard of this game, Spikeball? It's like volleyball, but it's not. It's like tennis, but it's not. Listen, I was not prepared for the beating that my body was going to take in just three games of Spikeball. I'm still hurting. Three days later, still hurting. Now, the good news is I also got to play cornhole, and I'm pretty good at cornhole. Not great, but I get by, and I really like it, so there you go. And that reminds me, I need to paint, um, I have a set of cornhole boards that are just unpainted, and I need to paint them. I was thinking something Star Wars themed, right? Um, But I don't know what. If you guys have any ideas out there, send them in. Uh, You know how to reach the show. I'd appreciate it. And if any of you are, are excellent painters, uh, just show up at the house. I'll put you to work. Not on the cornhole boards. I got a lot of shit that just needs to be painted. Okay, so a little bit of business to tackle. Real quick, last episode when I introed the show, I said, welcome to the Force, of course. I'm your host, Ted, and just kept going. I left out the Your Bite Size Star Wars podcast bit. And when I listened back to it in editing, it didn't sound right, but I I didn't exactly pick up on what didn't sound right, and it just went through i I released it a couple of people noticed and they uh they got in touch with me listen i'm not getting rid of that part of the title i mean the force of course has always been the title but i added the bite-sized star wars podcast bit after um glenn and jason from the smugglers galaxy podcast gave me that little title i'm definitely going to keep it and i'll do my best to use it going forward so don't worry this is still your bite-sized star wars podcast now let's get into the show Today, we're going to cover part four of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I'm going to talk a little bit about something I've noticed about the series and what it could mean going forward. We're also going to comb through the Andor trailer, see what all we can get out of that. And then I'm going to talk toys, because that's just fun for me. Hopefully it's fun for you. Before we do any of that, though, let's check out the Force of Course News of the Week. Bad Batch Season 2 has a release date. That's right, September 28th will launch the second season of Clone Force 99's Continued Adventures. This means that Andor and the Bad Batch will be running concurrently. That's a first for Disney+. Personally, I think we can handle it, right? Bring it on. 
Giancarlo Esposito said in an interview that season three of The Mandalorian will have his character, Moff Gideon, on a mission to unite Imperial Wardens like himself. Uh, did we know he was a warden? That feels like new information. In another interview, Tamara Morrison, the man behind the mask as Boba Fett, Jango Fett, and any clone trooper we have yet to see, wants another season of Boba Fett. He wants Boba to return to his badass ways from The Empire Strikes Back. He says, quote, We introduced him, we found out some stuff, but I think it's time to get him back to his badass ways. No two ways around it. End quote. Now, just because an actor wants to do another season of a show doesn't mean it's going to happen. Actors really have almost zero say and shit like that. But I think a lot of us would love to see this take place. And while we're doing it, let's include the original trilogy, Bounty Hunters, this time, okay? Finally, last week marked an epic anniversary. June 7th, 1977. Holy shit, that was a long time ago. The Kenner Company, located right here in the Kroger Building in downtown Cincinnati, announced a deal with 20th Century Fox and the Star Wars Corporation to produce Star Wars-themed toys, games, and related items. Little did they know what a powerhouse partnership that was about to become. And this concludes The Force, of course, News of the Week. Hey, in the spirit of the Kenner deal, struck some 45 years ago, I thought it might be fun to talk about the first figures released from Kenner back in early 1978. The first wave of figures hit shelves and caused a phenomenon unparalleled in toy history. These figures sold over 26 million units in that first year alone. The three and three quarter inch figures, larger or smaller based on the character, came packed with its own signature weapon when possible on a clear bubble stuck to a cardboard backer. That card had a movie still on the front portraying the figure in question, and on the back, you could see all 12 figures available at that time. Hence the term 12-back. You could also see the TIE Fighter, X-Wing, and Landspeeder, as well as a mail-away offer for the highly coveted Star Wars Action Collector Stand. I'm still looking for a replacement for my childhood version of that stand. So if you got one out there, hit me up. Now those first 12 figures were in no particular order. R2-D2, C-3PO, Chewbacca, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Darth Vader, Stormtrooper, Jawa, Tusken Raider or Sandperson, and Death Squad Commander. Death Squad Commander? Really? What the hell is a Death Squad Commander? So these figures, for the most part, make sense. Of course you're going to have your core heroes, Han, Luke, Leia, Chewie, and the droids. Old Ben was a stretch. As a kid, I wasn't all that jazzed about having an old man doll. Uh, besides, he earned me an ass-kicking from Stuart. Remember that story? Fucking Stuart. But Obi-Wan's important to the story, so there you go. So that's seven figures. They need some bad guys to fight, so obviously you're going to get Darth Vader. And a Stormtrooper makes perfect sense. You can buy multiple of those and army build. That's great for revenue lines, so that's nine figures. They could have stopped there, in all honesty, and it would have been a massive hit. But they added more. A Jawa. And there's a story behind how he came about and a running a change that I will tell another time. In fact, there are variants and changes to quite a few of these first 12 figures, but we'll save that discussion for another day. 
So the Jawa brings us to 10. My brain says stop at 10 because OCD and that's just how I work. But Kenner was like, no way. Let's go for a dozen. Who else can we make that could be considered a villain? Ooh, that sand person guy. Kids can buy a few of those in army build. Always thinking revenue. I, you know, they're not stupid. Again, that figure had running changes, but it also had the coolest weapon in the bunch. So I'm okay with this choice. Okay, one more. Who do we make? We need more villains. Let's go with Death Squad Commander. Yeah. What? What is a Death Squad Commander? What's happening? It's the Imperial guy who I think we see run down the hall in the Death Star scene for half a damn second. Yeah, of course, that makes perfect sense. I Listen, I don't know why they went with this figure. Why wouldn't they have made a figure of someone who had more screen time? Someone who was a big part of the story. A villain that signed Leia's order of execution. A villain that ordered the destruction of Alderaan for shit's sake. I'm talking about Tarkin. Hell, th this figure could have been Tarkin so easily. The body wouldn't need to be changed at all. Same uniform. Just sculpt a Peter Cushing head and slap it on there. Poof. Now, the only reason I can think of as to why they didn't make a Tarkin figure is because they thought kids wouldn't want to buy another old man doll. And maybe that's true, but me personally, I would have loved a Tarkin figure as a kid. He was such a bad guy. And at the time, I thought he was Vader's boss. I didn't know. It was unclear of their working relationship. But no, we got Death Squad Commander. That name is crap, guys. It's crap. Um, but, you know, as much as I don't understand it, I'd certainly bought my fair share of them. And they were like the red shirt guys from Star Trek. They were the first to die. So that's 12. That's our 12 back. That's your first offering from Kenner. These toys were a mega hit. During the pandemic, um, sales of these figures went nuts, and the prices for these first 12 figures would blow your damn mind. Honestly, I thought about selling my run to pay for the kitchen remodel, uh, but luckily I came to my senses. Okay, let's go ahead and take our break now, and when we come back, we'll dig into this Andor trailer to see what we can see, and we'll talk Kenobi. Stick around. The Force is back. The Rebels won't tire till they see the last of the Empire. And Kenner's there with Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Now, Fork, quick escape on a speeder bike. Speeder bike, you have to put it together. Action figures each sold separately. Meow. I've got you now. Open speed flaps and meow. I'm gonna crash. Biker Scout, you're not all you're cracked up to be. Speeder bike, action figures sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Okay, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the break. I know I did. I stayed home from work. I'm I'm sick. I don't know if you guys can hear it. Um, I probably sound worse than normal. I can't. <clears throat> I'm so congested. I can't breathe through my nose at all. So I apologize if it sounds weird or if it's some kind of trigger for you. Whatever. Anyway, let's take a look at the Andor trailer, shall we? Right off the bat, I have to say this is very different from anything else we've seen. It almost doesn't feel like Star Wars, and that might be a good thing. This trailer has a very different vibe for sure. We start off with the view of some city, and we're looking down on it from like a clock tower. We see a timekeeper of sorts pick up two hammers, and he bangs on a massive bell. 
this feels like something that would happen at the top of the hour or at the start of business or something, not an emergency situation. It appears to be dawn, so maybe this is the town's way of waking everyone up and telling them, hey, go to work, something like that. It feels mundane. We cut to a group of people, and they're dressed almost in pelts. It seems very low-tech. Um, they have a very low-tech look about them. This is definitely a species of people that hasn't advanced technologically very far. Almost primitive, but not quite. And they're huddled around a riverbank, and then all of a sudden they stand up and they take notice of a ship in the distant sky burning as it crosses the horizon. There's a quick shot of a huge trash heap, Probably a trash planet, because in Star Wars, you can only have one theme per planet. So maybe this is Raxus Prime or Lortho Minor. Both are known trash planets in the Star Wars universe, so it could also be something else entirely. Next, there's a shot of a sterile-looking environment, like a lab of some kind with some sciencey guys looking at something apparently shocking to them. Then we get a reaction shot of people running and hiding weapons and sounding alarms, some in open fields and some on a city street. Then one of the coolest shots of the trailer. At first glance, it looks like three LAAT transport gunships zipping across the sky uh, toward a city of some kind in the distance. Now, an LAAT is the ship the clones used in ground assaults to carry troops and ATTE tanks into battle. If you remember the scene from Attack of the Clones where Obi-Wan, Padme, and Anakin were saved from the arena, it was LAAT gunships that were used in that assault. LAAT gunships... It's not easy to say over and over, so maybe I just move on. Um, anyway, these ships look a, a little bit different. They don't have the side cannons and the bubbles, and honestly, it doesn't appear that they're armed at all. More reactions to townspeople, and we get a shot of what I assume are stormtroopers marching down a street. We only see their legs, really, so it's hard to tell if they're Imperial stormtroopers or clone troopers. That would really help narrow down the timeline. I can't tell if we're seeing Cassian's backstory, like his childhood being told, or if this is just a few years before A New Hope. They keep this trailer vague for some reason. We see some military types or law enforcement officers, and it seems as if they're going door to door. A quick shot of Cassian peeking around a corner as two stormtroopers walk down a dark street. We see an Imperial conference room, but this is different from what we're used to. This is very light. Lots of whites and well lit. Even the officers are in white. Cassian says they're so proud of themselves, so fat and satisfied. Then a shot of two Imperial officers dressed more like we're used to seeing them in the gray uniforms, and they're toasting something. Like drinking a toast, not toasting like Pop-Tarts. You think they have Pop-Tarts in Star Wars? Huh. Uh, a shot of a woman running down the street away from something or someone, and then a cool shot of Coruscant. Or at least I believe this to be Coruscant, because we've seen shots like this before in the capital city planet. But we're being shown the side of a building with elevator cars sliding down the side of the structure toward the greasy underbelly of the planet. Greasy underbelly, that's my rap name. We see Denise Go as in... Go? Guff? I don't know how to pronounce her last name. G-O-U-G-H. We see her as an Imperial officer flanked by two death troopers, so we know she's probably going to be a badass. Uh, then we hear who I believe is Mon Mothma saying they're everywhere and we get a couple of shots of her entering a speeder and walking across the floor of some lavish party and she says they're watching me now. We get some random shots of stuff. I don't know. This trailer is really hard to pin down guys. Stellan Skarsgård who plays a rebel leader says soon enough these days will end and we see some kind of structures built either in the ocean or lake 
Not sure what that's about, but there's land in the distance, so this planet has two themes, and it must be destroyed at once. No planet can have two themes. Skarsgård says, There will be no rules going forward. We see interior shots of what I think are Imperial buildings, a shot of clones walking through a weird glass tunnel. Is that Camino? Hold on, pausing on the shot, the, the tunnels appear close to what we might see on Camino, but the rest of the structure isn't clean enough to be Camino. Topoca City was always so bright and clean. This looks murky. Skarsgård again says, there will be no rules going forward. So, is he taking the Saul Guerrero route? I'm betting Forrest Whitaker shows up in this uh, again as Saul. He ran his faction of the Rebellion doing things the rest of the leaders felt were too out of bounds. It sounds like uh, Stellan Skarsgård thinks the same way in this. We get a shot of Kyle Soller as an Imperial officer, and he's looking at a hologram of Cassian Andor. So something, something pretty cool that I noticed going forward in the trailer, we are seeing a run of characters from behind in different scenarios. It starts with the Timekeeper guy. We get to see him again banging on his bell or whatever. Um, then Kyle Soller looking at a broken city. Mon Mothma overlooking the Imperial Senate. Denise goes, Imperial officer, walking down an alley with troopers standing on either side. An unknown Imperial walking across a gangplank as TIE fighters scream across the screen, and this is definitely an Imperial outpost. Um, we get the back of a hooded figure walking down a street, and some unknown, could be Andor, it was hard to tell, walking towards what really appear to be clones. I'm pretty sure those are clones, so probably not Andor. This, man, this timeline is all out of whack. Then we hear Fiona Shaw say, people are standing up. That's what a reckoning sounds like. And I have to think she's probably playing another rebel leader of sorts. There are a couple more action shots. Basically, I think what we're seeing here is uh, Andor's homeworld being laid to waste. That's already been rumored, and that will be the driving force behind his call to action with the Rebellion. Like I said, this trailer looks very different from anything else we've ever seen in Star Wars. Uh, personally, I can't wait for August 31st. I think this is going to be the series that takes everyone by surprise. And there you have it. That's the Andor trailer. Okay. Last thing I want to talk about today is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obviously, we have to recap part four. Without doing a scene-by-scene -scene exploration, I will tell you that this episode felt very familiar to me. I'll get into that in a bit. Uh, my first thought was how short this episode is. Once you take out the credits and the intro, you're looking at about 31 minutes. That's a little too short for my liking, but I guess we get what we get. Obi-Wan is in a back-to-tank and reacting to flashbacks of his encounter with Darth Vader. He's very clearly traumatized. This is intercut with Vader in his own back-to-tank, and he's so angry-looking. My goodness. He's got his angry eyes on. So Obi-Wan has to rescue Leia, who is being held in the Grand Inquisitorium, or the Inquisitorious Retreat. I don't know what they're calling this. The, the tall thing in the water. He gets help from Tala and Dira Varma, the Imperial operative turned rebel insurgent. We also meet O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s character. Uh, his name is Roken, and it feels like he's running the Jabim branch of the path that we learned about last episode. And he's at first reluctant to help. But then he caves pretty easily, like, no way, no way, no way. All right, I'll help. Now, from the moment Tala and Ben sneak into the Inquisitorial stronghold, I don't know, I get very strong A New Hope vibes. More on that later. 
a bunch of stuff happens, but what I want to kind of zoom in on here is a scene where Ben stumbles upon a dark secret in this building, in this lair, this tomb, as he calls it, with a faint quiver in his voice. Did you guys pick up on that? Turns out this Ewan guy's a pretty good actor. Huh. We see multiple Jedi and Force sensitives entrapped in what looks like Jurassic Park amber and kind of build into the walls in the secure sector. It feels to me like these folks are dead and just kind of frozen in time. Some people are speculating that they're alive but stuck. I don't think that's the case. I think they were all captured, most likely tortured, and possibly tested on, or at least they had samples taken from them for cloning purposes that will probably come up in future projects, and then they're stuck in amber and slapped on the wall. And the very first one they focus on is Jedi Master Tara Sinube, who was featured in the Clone Wars animated series, most prominently in the episode Lightsaber Lost, where he tries to teach Ahsoka patience. Little Easter egg for you. Uh, there are a few others that get zoomed in on, but I don't know who they are. Uh, one is a kid, and we can speculate that he's one of the younglings from the very beginning of the series, where we got a scene of Order 66 taking place in the Jedi Temple. Interesting stuff for sure. So... Obi-Wan has to use the Force to hold back the sea from breaking through a hole in the glass tunnel, and we see that his grasp of the Force may finally be returning to him. It's about frickin' time. I mean, last episode, he was not in control at all, and he got his ass kicked. I think now he's ready to commune with his former master, Qui-Gon. I bet we see that very soon. Uh, ben, Leia, and Tala escape with the help of O'Shea Jackson Jr. and his team. They storm the Inquisitonium, or whatever... With T-47 airspeeders, you know, we knew them formerly as snowspeeders from The Empire Strikes Back, and this is a point of contention with some viewers. The special effects on these speeders it wasn't really stellar, I'll admit that. I don't think it's so bad that it takes you out of the story, but it isn't the best either. Anyway, they escape, Darth Vader shows up, and he's pissed at Reva for letting it happen. He has her up in the air, choking her with the Force in his typical managing style, and Reva says she let them escape on purpose, and we learn that Leia's little droid, Lola, has a tracking device in it. Roll credits. Okay. I'm so excited to share something with you guys. Uh, it's an idea I have, and I'm not alone. I've heard the, uh, the same idea from other people, but I was excited because I had the idea before I heard other people talk about it, and it's just nice to have an original thought. That turns out not to be an original thought. I don't know. But this episode felt very much in step with A New Hope. It had so many commonalities. Uh, the overall theme of Obi-Wan rushing to rescue Leia from the clutches of evil being the foremost common theme. Tala used the same comlink as the one we see in A New Hope used by Luke and C-3PO. Obi-Wan uses the force to throw a sound and distract stormtroopers just like he did in A New Hope. The torture device that uh, Reva hooks Leia up to makes the same sound as the interrogation droid in the Death Star detention center when it's um, entering Leia's cell. The heroes are allowed to escape, but their movements are being tracked. There are so many similarities. I had this thought like, wow, part four of the series is a lot like episode four of the saga films. And then it kind of hit me. Whoa, wait a minute. That's weird. I wonder if there are similarities like that from the other episodes. So I did a little rewatch, and there really are. Check this out. You can very easily find common themes or plot devices or what have you for part one in episode one, part two in episode two, and part three in episode three. For instance, in part one, we see Luke as a kid pretending to pod race, 
just like his father in episode one. The episode is slower paced and much of it takes place on Tatooine and deals with political mumbo jumbo, much like episode one. Owen refuses to let Luke be trained, just like the Jedi Council refuses to let Anakin be trained. So there's a lot there. In part two, we see Obi-Wan working in the underworld, trying to find something or someone much like episode two. We get bounty hunter action, like in episode two. There's a chase on a city planet, much like episode two. I know this isn't my strongest argument for the theory, but there is stuff there between part two and episode two. Now in part three, we see a duel between these two men that culminates in someone burning and writhing in pain. This time it's Obi-Wan as Anakin shows him exactly what he went through in episode three. That similarity was pretty damn evident. Now, all this has me wondering what we might see in episode five, or part five. If we follow this line of thinking, there are a few things that could happen. We know our heroes are being tracked, so is a planetary assault out of the question, just like the assault on Hoth? Could we see the Empire come down on Jabim with walkers and stuff like that? That would be amazing and could serve as a driving force to have Roken and his team take up arms against the Empire. I think we'll see Qui-Gon Jinn in this episode, and that would track with Empire Strikes Back, as Obi-Wan was the Force ghost who guided Luke. And at the end of the episode, much like an Empire, I think we'll see our heroes defeated, in a sense, leading up to the sixth and final part of the show. Now, what similarities to Return of the Jedi might we get from Part 6? Little things, maybe, like we could get a shot of the original Death Star under construction. We saw the plans and the build start in the prequel trilogy, so by now it could very well look like the one from Return of the Jedi. We could potentially see the Emperor himself. I think that would be fantastic. And we're going to see a choice being made. Anakin will be asked to return to the light side, and he'll obviously say, nah, much like Luke did when he was asked to turn to the dark. Now, these are all guesses. I could be way off here, but it's certainly something to think about. Okay, before we go, I want to say a quick hello to super listener Sharon from Ireland. Uh, you know, the one who talks funny. She and I had a discussion via social media the other day, and she remarked at how good James Earl Jones sounded in this series um, they nailed the original trilogy version of Darth Vader in this series, and she is absolutely right. Even though James Earl Jones voiced Darth Vader in Rogue One, they didn't quite capture the original trilogy vibe. I'm not sure what was different here, but they got it right this time. Thanks, as always, for reaching out, Sharon, and thanks for listening. Hope you're doing well. Okay, that's enough out of me. I thank you all so much for listening. If you like what you hear, do me a favor and tell a buddy, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to grow the audience, and the audience is growing. Thank you for that. You can interact with me on social media at The Force of Course on Facebook and Instagram. You can email the show directly at theforceofcourse77 at gmail.com. This has been The Force of Course, your bite-sized Star Wars podcast. My name is Ted, and as always, play with your toys. <laughs>